Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace show, where we're creating a conversation for what God's doing through Christians in the marketplace. I'm Sean Bowles, and my co-host is Bob Hassan. We interview everyday influencers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs from all areas of industry, exposing you to powerful stories of what God's doing through people just like you. We're also sharing our thoughts about what God's doing in finance, business, entertainment, and politics. Come join the conversation now. Bob and I are having conversations with people from around the world who have a marketplace calling, and they're sharing stories that you don't get to hear pretty much anywhere else. But Bob, who's on the show today? Sean, we have David Balestri all the way from Sydney, Australia. He's an entrepreneur, a business consultant, an author, a speaker, and an executive pastor. Is there anything he doesn't do? (laughs) He runs uh, several businesses, including a global executive consulting company serving entrepreneurs, CEOs, and civic and sports leaders. He leads a ministry expression called Marketplace Invasion, which serves the body of Christ in training and activating the 97% of saints whose ministry call will be outworked with their marketplace settings. He's a recognized prophetic and apostolic leader in Australia. He's passionate and active in championing the voice of God and supernatural ministry in the marketplace. Well, that's so cool. We don't get to talk to a lot of people like David, who has both the ministry side, but also the business side, which is really exciting. So up next, David Balestri. Bob, you and I are passionate about people in the marketplace being equipped to hear God's voice. And so we put together a book. Tell us about it. It's called Wired to Hear. And 99% of us are out in the marketplace. We're not in the professional vocational ministry. And this book is for you if you want to learn how to hear God in the marketplace. And it's very practical, but it's also very in-depth and spiritual with actionable steps. Great chapters about defining your process when you're trying to hear God's voice. And I just think with the expertise of my coaching and Bob's long-term career and advice giving, you're going to feel the both of us together, something synergized that's really beautiful. And it's just for you. Get wired to hear at bullsministries.com with business leaders just like you who are sharing their process of hearing God's voice, how they are wired to hear. And it's going to so help you as Bob and I navigate these conversations. They're going to bring the book home into your everyday practice. Get your book today. Welcome back. We're here with David Balestri. David, welcome. We're honored to have you on the show. Thank you. Great to be here. And you're in our future, as you just said to us a few minutes ago, in Australia. This is awesome. Yes, Sydney, Australia. And uh, yes, loving it. Well, tell us about, because you have been in ministry for decades, but you all are also in the marketplace. And we love when people like you, David, come on the show because you're in both worlds. And this is a thing that God's doing right now where he's bringing the combination of to the church at large of people who are powerfully in their careers, powerful business owners, and he's deploying them with kingdom purpose. But talk about how you got involved with this. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a kidpreneur. So uh, started the first business when I was 10. And I yes. uh, have been in business all, all my life. And uh, um, then got saved in my late teens and stayed as a business person, dominantly a business person that loved the church, uh, volunteered in the church and and did many things, but really didn't see myself in the ministry box. Uh, mm-hmm. Just felt that I could be a supporter wallet uh, to the kingdom. Didn't mind being a wallet. To the, I have a gift of giving, so I, I love that. But uh, always had a big heart, big burden for the church. And for many years struggled with this big passion of the call of God. And I, I thought to myself, should I be a pastor? Or should I be, you know, because at that time, 
there was almost an assumption that if you really wanted to serve God, if you really wanted to lay down your life, that you would somehow go and work in some sort of church, uh, you know, maybe a missionary in some country or go and work. You know, I always used to hear this full-time ministry. So I started asking the Lord about it and he was silent, really silent uh, uh, for, for many years until one time I really was like prayed fast and called out to God and felt the Lord say to me that I had a misunderstanding of how he saw ministry, that ministry was service and wherever he called me, I was in ministry. So whether I was running a cafe or I went and worked for a multinational company as a manager, uh, I was just as much in ministry then as I am, say, today, uh, when I, today as I'm involved in a much, um, say, clearer way in the church-centric space. Um, I, I know more in ministry now than I was back then. Ministry is service and it's alignment to the kingdom assignment on your life. So um, that was a big wall that needed to come down in my That's a significant work. issue, though, right? It's like so... So many people wrestle with that. I've even talked to some guys recently in the athletic sphere who are like, right. I just want, I can't wait to retire so that I can go into ministry. <laughs> and I'm like, that's such a sad thing that we've done in the church somehow where we've divided the spaces, we've divided the authority up. But I'm just so glad you're doing what you're doing because I know that we, we've heard this almost, it's almost cliche now, whatever you do as a ministry, but the identity right. issue is still there. So it's like, you know, I love that you're saying what you're doing because it's so vulnerable. It's so real that you recognize it in your own life. Well, you know, one of the things, Sean, that's so intriguing is 90% of our Bible heroes, Genesis to Revelation, are actually marketplace people. <laughs> totally. Nine, nine out of ten. Nine out of ten are in the marketplace, not the temple. And, you know, so so it makes sense now, but back then I couldn't see that. Yeah. You know, you know, you know David, I I, you know, grew up the same way you did in business and you know, notice this thing that we call a sacred secular split and right. uh, had the same questions to me. When are you going to go in the ministry? And, you know, I realized that I, I am in the ministry, uh, for what I'm doing. <laughs> and, you know, I, I look at Jesus in his early years. We always focus on him in the last three years of his life as ministry. But, right. you know, for 30 years, he was in the marketplace, whether yeah. you believe he was a carpenter mm-hmm. or a stonemason, he was in the marketplace. And, and so talk to us about uh, the talk to us about your entree into the church, but what your business life has been like and continues to be like. Yeah, I, I'm to your point. That's uh, a great question to your point about Jesus. Do you know, I mean, 34 of his 36 miracles were in the marketplace. Mm. The Gospels only. Two I thought you were just saying like Pentecostal. Say it again. Miracles. <laughs> <laughs> are in the temple, the other 34 in the marketplace. And the moment that I saw that, um, I really began to ask the question about, could I be as excited about my workplace on Monday as I was about, as far as Holy Spirit turning up, as I was about church on Sunday, in the sense of that expectation? And so I just began to uh, really invite Holy Spirit to coach me on how to... um, how to how to walk with him in in my businesses in in the boardrooms in you know in the business deals as much with as much expectation that he would do something that we would walk together that I would represent the kingdom as 
I did uh, on church on Sunday. I mean, I'm a revival church guy. So uh, I in the 90s, I was in a church. We were in a uh, renewal time, uh, protracted meetings, five days a week in church, five nights a week in church. And, um, you know, outpouring of the spirit, signs and wonders, all the rest. But I was running a business at that time, yeah. um, as I always do. And I, I had a sacred secular divide going on. And so the tragedy, of course, of secular is that it, one of the definitions is God void or where God is not. Mm, and so wow. I, I, you know, I would never have said it, but I treated as if my business was secular and the church service was sacred. And well, so tell us, tell us, David, how, how did the Holy Spirit show up? Tell us some stories about in your yeah. business, how that yeah. happened. Yeah, great. I mean, one of the big testimonies is uh, it has to do with my my youngest brother, who who's ten years younger than me. Calls me. I'm a businessman. He calls me and he says to me, "Dave, um, I feel like God is is asking me to change careers." Now he's a he's a millennial guy, so you know that's not unusual. They change careers <laughs> the other day. And um, but he said to me, he was a nice Christian guy. He said to me, um, Dave, I feel like God is asking me to come into the tattoo industry, right? Now, that's a big controversial deal, right? Because I was like sacred, secular, right? Yeah. And so I, I jump in the car, big brother, to go and talk him out of it. <laughs> and uh, while I'm in the car, I feel the Holy Spirit arrest me and say to me, uh, my arm is not short. I, I'm, I'm in every industry and uh, don't box me in. So instead of talking him out of it, I help talk him into it. Well, he's already convinced. So I... I help facilitate that. But the long story short is he goes into the tattoo industry and within six years, he's headhunted to work in the most uh, famous tattoo in, uh, shop in Australia. Wow. Starts, you know, tattooing celebrities and just the most out, you know, outrageous people. Then Netflix ends up producing a show uh, in which he's on called Tattoo Tales. Wow. And uh, he, ends up, he ends up, you know, being a witness for Christ on that show, I mean, it was downloaded 85 million times. Oh, my you know? God. And so I'm just like, voice of God, God just messing with our paradigms, you know, saying, hey, I, you can't box me. I, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm in all of this. And to see, you know, I remember, I remember when, I, when, he, when he was on global television, I called him crying because there, there was a homosexual guy that ran the salon and the interviewer tried to, you know, provoke him and said, what, how do you get on with that Christian tattoo guy? And he said, oh, you mean John? And he says, yeah. He says, out of all the guys here, John's my best friend. Oh. And he said, yeah. He said, he said, I've never been to church, but if, if Jesus was anything like John, then I, I'd want to know him. And this oh is on, on national television. Oh my gosh. When, when, it, when it went to global television, they edited that segment out. But Nevertheless, you know, what a powerful, powerful testimony of just God at, God at work or God moving in the marketplace, you know. I think it's such a clear picture, too, of just how when you're going into the practical of the gospel and the kingdom of God going outside of you and you're in your everyday life, yeah. you know, there's these moments like your, your brother, John, who your, his whole life culminated that moment. I'm sure of many other moments in life, but maybe not on that global scale on that level. Yeah. Maybe he will. But it's like, how many people got saved from that example? Because Bob says something all the time that it was revolutionary to me when I heard him say, it. he's like, I would like to work with somebody 
like Jesus was as the carpenter or as the stonemason. Like if you have to hire someone for a project, what was Jesus like to hire in a project? You know, it's like, and it, it, it did that. What would Jesus do bracelet thing in my heart where it's like, what was he like to work with? What was he like yeah. in those to manage a project or, cause we've had some bad contractors. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> we've got some bad contractors for projects. And it really put it in that place of like, who am I in the industry that I'm going into? And the other thing is I work in the entertainment industry and we're having to make decisions that like we can't see two years ahead if we're going to be completely marginalized because we're Christians and we have a Christian voice and we won't put certain things in projects. So we don't know, like I'm, I'm, I'm consulting with people at Amazon and Netflix and Google and whatever. And so I'm talking to them and they're saying, what if they tell me I can't do this anymore? I'm like, well, wait until then you have an open door until it's closed. And so yeah. you're an executive. So like you have an open door until they close the door right now. It's still open. So I love what you're saying because in those spaces where it's like, it's scary because it's something the church hasn't had authority in or hasn't touched or hasn't spoken about well in different marginalized areas. But I think it's so profound what you're saying. Yeah, I, th I think that one of the challenges, we struggle to translate kingdom into the marketplace yeah. because, because our language betrays us, you know, and I'll give you an example. So I, I worked for a multinational company as a kind of a, a middle to senior manager and they had a leadership culture in the multinational company of really bullying. Like, like at the end of the day, I won't mm -hmm. tell you the company, but it was really a bullying culture, which was tough because the workforce was unionized. And so you've got this corporate bullying oh, wow. culture, a unionized workforce. I'm the, I'm the meat in the sandwich. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I hate going there because I think, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to push people that way. <clears throat> so I start whinging to the Lord about... Uh, pray I start whinging get me out of here get me out of get me out of Joseph's dungeon and I feel like the Lord said to me um you're asking me to get you out but why don't you ask me to reveal to you why you're there yeah right so like good. what about that prayer so I I repented and said God what 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 do you want me to do I'm only a, I'm only a little little person in this the, the company's got 200,000 employees and I felt the Lord said to me I put you there to change culture Right. Wow. And, and I said, but I'm not the CEO. I'm just kind of middle management. I felt like the Lord said to me, if you'll ask me, I'll give you a strategy. Yeah. And uh, he was the strategy uh, in prayer. I felt the Lord say to me, I want you to, uh, I want you to at the end of the, sh the shift where, when you guys are going home, I want you to stand at the exit and thank them for coming into work. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, my shift or, or my, the, the people I had um, leadership over was 300 people. So could you imagine how long it would take me to stand there as 300 people are exiting? Thank you, John. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Jan. Thank you. I mean, it was ridiculous. And um, it was almost comical. The first couple of days, the, the guys thought I was just checking that they weren't leaving early. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But I, I kept on doing it. My senior manager came down and said to me, David, you know we pay these guys and girls to work. And I said, yeah, I, I know that. He says, you know, you don't have to thank them. I said, I, I, know, we, I know I don't, but I, I want to. And he said, well, do what you want. Do you know within 90 days, my, my, my team was the best performing team wow. in the entire division wow. of that company. But more than that, uh, the HR, the Human Resources Department, contracted me eventually because of my results, contracted me to write the manual for all the future onboarding of the oh leadership of the company and in that manual, I read a two-day training induction. And I'm going to tell you, all of it was kingdom. I just stripped out the scriptures. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But it was all, 
So, so now that multinational company still uses my training manual that is Kingdom Values. <laughs> their leaders or their managers, they're from junior managers to senior managers, into, um, I mean, you just think about that as an impact, cool. right? This is such an amazing thing. In 2013, Google uh, commissioned a study called Project Aristotle. Why, why do the highest performing teams at Google perform the highest? And they could not figure it out. What they finally came up with was that the highest performing teams cared for each other. And what you just said, mm. what you just said, and your experience uh, bolsters that. And wow. tell us, David, it, you you you've obviously had success and favor. How right. do you deal with the favor in your life? Yeah, I mean, I used to think, <laughs> I used to think that favor was a little bit. Uh, you know, before I was a Christian, uh, I'll pre-case this, uh, I used to think it was a bit like one of those uh, jackpot machines, you know, that favor was like, you know, you it, it, it's available. You know that people step into favor, but there's no real rhyme or reason. It's just kind mm -hmm. of this mystery. Um, but I, I, I don't see it anymore like that. I, I'm, I'm really convinced that God puts favor on his will. That, that favor has an assignment and the assignment of favor is the, the, the release or the execution of the will of God. I always say that the, and I say this as a term of endearment, the Babylonians have their hustle and grind and they have luck. And that's what they have because that's the realm they play at. But for the sons and daughters of the kingdom that we have something way beyond hustle and grind and luck, we have favor. But God has always puts his favor on his will and then he invites us to come into alignment with his will and therefore his favor. And I found, Bob, that as I walked with the Lord and came more in tune with the, the assignment uh, of God in my life, that favor now, it, it used to be, a, like I said, you know, a mystery and a one-off. I, I just find signals and, and the outworking of favor now as a, you know, I hate to say, like it almost seems arrogant, but as a weekly, there would not be, there would not be, it would be strange to find a week where I couldn't attribute something that happened to the outpouring of the favor of God. But I really believe that it has to do with alignment. Mm. I'm in the lane that, that's been assigned to me. I'm not just running after opportunities. I think that opportunities are the Achilles heels of kingdom entrepreneurs. Uh, I think an assignment is an opportunity with the breath of God on it and, and your signature, your name on it. And when you discern that that opportunity God is inviting you into, at that point, favor is part of how that comes into the earth, which is really what we supernatural business and supernatural marketplace reality. So um, it's interesting because I think a lot of people look at favor more as a currency. Mm -hmm. And I think. I think of it more as a rhythm. It's like a rhythm of relationship we have with God. And I think you're describing it so beautifully because mm -hmm. if you look at it as a currency, it's very transactional. Right. But if you look at it as a rhythm of relationship, then it's just like with my wife, there's times that if I plan our connection time, and if she plans our connection time, and we then we create a rhythm in our life for everything else. But if we don't plan it, then it just, and it just happens spontaneously because of chemistry or because we happen to have extra time one weekend or whatever else, it's not as 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 flowy you know so to speak and i feel like it's the same way with god with favors like yeah. if you're intentional about god's will in your life and you're intentional about your identity in, in that then yeah. you're going to have unlimited favor to do unlimited 
things have gone once in your life. And so I love what you're saying because tell us how favor has affected like a, a recent story about how favors opened the door affected either you or someone you're coaching or helping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've got a whole bunch of stories in that space. I, one of the expressions, one of my uh, um, business expressions is a consultancy company. And so I consult to CEOs and entrepreneurs and um, one of the, um, one of my clients who's in Europe, I'm in Australia, he's in Europe. He found me through a prophetic dream. Uh, and so he had this dream. Uh, he, he saw me several years ago in some seminar in Europe that I was doing a kingdom business seminar. And then uh, about two years ago, he has a dream. And in the, I come to him in the dream and the, uh, the Lord is with me and the Lord is introducing me to him in this dream. And he says, this man uh, is my son and he's going to help you. He's going to come and be a partner with you as a consultant. And so he, he he didn't even really know my name or anything like that, tracked me down and called me and told me this story about um, how the Lord introduced me to him and pointed me out in a dream to him. So, you know, uh, that's not every one of my um, clients, but, but you know, more often than not, uh, there's there's those, those sort of couplings that happen. Yeah. I, I, I'll give you... A, 15 years ago, when I came out of corporate life, I, I felt the Lord say to me, you know, to become a prophetic business consultant as part of what I was going to do. I, I asked the Lord, I said to the Lord, I, I do it, but I wanted a fleece. I wanted to, you know, I said, Lord, you're going to really have to help me here because you're asking me to step out in a significant way. And I said to the Lord, um, one of the signs would be that I wouldn't ever advertise my consultancy services. Mm -hmm. And wow. um, in 15 years, I've never advertised my yeah, consultant. I, I create value or all, all of those things. I, and, and I coach <laughs> all those spaces, but I just, it, it, it had to be for me that sign and wonder um, yeah. that reminded me every day that um, I'm not, because I was quite an ambitious person before yeah. and I needed it. So I'm not trying to say this is a rule. I needed it for me so that yeah. I never have my hands. I'm not controlling this. I'm 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 walking out in a grand adventure with the Lord and it's wow that's amazing. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people with a prophetic assignment who feel that way and I think you you describe yourself as a prophetic consultant. I think some yeah. most of the prophetic kind of people that I know feel like they're it's by invitation. It's not that they can't they can't put themselves out there. They have to be invited to the Lord's purpose or table or whatever, you know, to to these conversations. So I love that because I think some people are registering who are listening to this and are going to mm -hmm. see this they'll say, oh, that's why, that's why I have that boundary in my heart, because there's something about letting God's favor lead this, which right. I think is a profound statement. I've never heard anyone say that on a show before, but I feel the same way. Right. And can you imagine, I mean, how do I know, uh, in, in my context today, I have no idea what the Lord has planned as far as over and above and beyond what I could ask or imagine. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I'll give an example. I, I mean, my wildest prayer 15 years ago of who I thought I might have an opportunity to coach. Um, God has way exceeded that wow. space to, to stand in front of the respectfully, the billionaires and the, the, you know, civic leaders in nations. I, I had no context for that. I, I didn't even think I was in that stratosphere and to be brought into those spaces by the hand of God. Like I, I literally, I, I know that I'm carried into this space and I'm on assignment. I, and this is where the favor comes in to Bob's point. This is where 
you can do hustle and grind and, and you need to be conscientious. You can do that. And you can even push in the spirit and we should do that. So all of that, I, I believe in excellence. I believe in conscientiousness. But there's a dimension that, because um, I, I really believe God is opening. I mean, I, I think we're in a move of God. I, I really do. Yeah. Uh, I always say that this, uh, we're in a move of God that, that much of the church is asleep to because they're looking for the stirring of the water at the mm-hmm. front altar of the church. And it's wow. happening at the front door of the shops, you know, the front yeah. door of the marketplace. Um, and so, you know, in many respects, we don't know. I mean, what what the Lord's bringing us into right now is way beyond what most of us have a reference for. Yeah, uh, I think I think David, one of the humbling things about favor is there's so many people out that are that are working hard, that are doing the same things that everyone else is doing, and then when God dumps favor on on your life, it it's humbling. And, humbling. You you ask the question, well, why me? How do I? How do you reconcile the favor with other people who are looking for it? Right, right, right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think you surrendered to it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's yeah. that's the one. You you can't control it. If you if you need to control the favor, it, it'll elude you. Yeah. Uh, you you've got to surrender to it and uh, be carried by it in many respects. Yeah. So. I mean, it just—you're not the CEO of your company. You're not the—you don't own anything. You're a steward, like you're a son. You're a steward. You—you you died with Christ, and so at that point, you—you're a steward of this, and um, you're under the command of the King. I think—I think these are really important revelations. You can say those things; they're great taglines, but—but to live it, to—to—to to, to really understand that your career is not your career; it's God's career. It's your assignment. You know, I always say that we're all part of the biggest mafia in the universe. It's called the kingdom of God. And God is the head, you know, and we're all we're all wise guys, you know. That's what we're that's, that's so funny. Well, tell us uh, and our listeners how they can follow you and just keep in touch with your messaging and just what your I love your narrative. So I think it's important for our audience to be able to follow you. Right. I I tried to put if you just Google my name. There's lots of there's there's about a hundred hours of stuff on YouTube that it's just I'm just trying to get this message and this dimension out there. Um, Marketplace Invasion is uh, is the website, and uh, I'm pretty active on the socials, Facebook, Instagram. Just Google my name, Marketplace Invasion, either one of those two, and uh, yeah, I'm always always putting stuff up, uh, trying to testimonies, uh, all that sort of stuff. Wrote a book called Marketplace Invasion as well, which is full of testimonies of God, God doing stuff uh, with his people in the marketplace. Well, you're going to want to get this book and you're going to want to follow David. So I'm going to encourage you to do just that. And we have more up next with Sean and Bob. I'm Sean Bowles, and I'm going to invite you to our Spiritual Growth Academy online, where you can attend a four-week class or an event every month. Plus, our back catalog is available to you as well on spiritual gifts, especially hearing God's voice, and also a deeper connection to the Holy Spirit and how to walk with him in real ways in the days we're living in right now. Come join us at Spiritual Growth Academy by going to bullsministries.com and clicking on the Academy button. Welcome back, Sean. That was such an interesting interview. I agree. It's so awesome to talk to people from around the world, and this time Australia, where they're they're experiencing God the same way we are, which is he's moving in his favor and in a prominent way with the 99% of people who are in ministry. And I love the people who are in ministry because they help to build a backbone and a support and a connection and a community. 
but we need to really recognize what's happening in the marketplace and partner our faith to it. Right. He he was straddling the line earlier, like a lot of us in business and yeah. trying to figure out, uh, am, I, am I okay? Am I secular? Am I okay if I'm <laughs> not a pastor or a minister yeah. or a missionary? And, and I loved how he, I love how he articulated that. And uh, now he's, now he's in both sectors and he, he recognizes that no matter where he is, he is a minister of the gospel. Which I know a lot of you who are listening and watching, I know that's, I, Bob, they have to be feeling that message just come across over and over in our show. And the show is still one of the top shows in business and in religion and spirituality. So people are resonating with that message. But there's something between hearing someone's story and then adopting it yourself and saying, what I'm doing is a kingdom position. And because of that, there's resource and there's favor and there's God's will is going to bring things into my life and opportunities in my life that I couldn't have brought if it was just a man-made life. And when we adopt that and we do it, I love that rhythm of, you know, favor comes from that I talked about. It comes from relationship. It's not a currency. It's a, it's a rhythm, relational rhythm. When we adopt that place of identity that you and I have both gone through the challenges to adopt, it changes everything. And I, I'm hoping that as we're kind of like we, we perpetuate this message over and over and over, I'm hoping that, that that adoption becomes even deeper in people who've experienced that, you know, that identity shift. I think one of the things I think about is when we talk about favor, like, is God a happy God? And, and I believe he is. And I believe that he is thrilled with the positions that we're in, no matter where we are. And he wants us to thrive, not, not only thrive, not only survive, but thrive. Yeah. And, and, and I think lots of people are, are surviving when God and and his and his mission is for us to is to thrive, and I think God is is just so happy and pleased and proud of where we are, and we need to recognize that, and that gives us the courage to keep going forward, as as you know we run into obstacles that we're going to run into every day in, in our lives. Yeah, it's it's interesting because most people don't start a legacy business, meaning it doesn't necessarily go to their kids. And sometimes when it does, it turns into nepotism versus actual um, legacy, you know? And so when you look at that, God, you and I both have children. And if your kids never take over your company in a formal way, as far as becoming paint contractors, you're not going to be disappointed. All four of them are in amazing careers. And you're so, I, I love every time we talk about them because you're so in celebration mode for the life that you and your company has created to allow them to dream in a big way that you didn't get a dream when you were growing up. Mm -hmm. As a father, I feel your father's heart, which caused me to feel the father's heart. And I think about that for my girls, they may never carry on our ministry or our media or whatever else. There's people who may be spiritual sons and daughters who might do that. Or there's mm -hmm. people who might be, you know, who, who have that calling. But my daughters, whatever this is doing for them right now, it's, it's creating a place of identity that they can, they can then surf life, you know, the, the, the course of life on the rest of their life. I think yeah. so many people out there, when they, when they get excited about a ministry or they get excited about a message or they get excited about church, they see themselves working in context of that versus getting the identity of God and then doing whatever they're called to do. And that that's just as important. I think that's what we're fighting for over and over. Yeah. And the reason why I think this is important, some people are listening to this and going, I already knew that a lot, but there's so many people who are like, this is revolutionary to me. And it needs to be, we need this revolution to finish so that we could actually have that impact in the kingdom, in the marketplace right now. I agree. And I keep coming back to your word about the, the next great revival is in the marketplace. And this is the reason why we wrote uh, Wired to Hear. And one of the main reasons why we're 
uh, almost on our 150th episode of Exploring the Marketplace because the stories give courage uh, to all of us as we listen. And we think, wow, if they can do it, I can do it. For sure. And I think, and I hope that you are doing it. And in this time of recession, the beautiful thing is if you're a kingdom believer, if you're a person who loves Jesus, he's going to give you a way around the normal pitfalls and obstacles that are going on in culture all over the world right now. And you're going to be living in a place of grace and favor that bypasses some of the challenges that world markets are experiencing right now. So I'm going to encourage you to keep following the God narrative in your life. Keep going after the Bible and his presence, his spirit, and everything will be different for you. But also follow us on social media, follow Bob Hassan or Sean Bowles. We'd love to interact with you there on Instagram or Facebook or all the places we show up. I have a YouTube channel that's extremely active with the Sean Bull Show as well. And we're putting Exploring the Marketplace episodes on there every Wednesday. So make sure to follow us there or watch us on CBN News or join us by subscribing to our podcast wherever you find podcasts. We love being with you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for exploring what God is doing in the marketplace with us. We have amazing resources for you at our website with free videos, take an online class with us at our online school, Spiritual Growth Academy, or get one of our books, including the one Bob and I authored together, Wired to Hear. We have lots of ways to connect with you. Come visit us on social media. Just look for at Sean Bowles or at Bob Hassan or visit BowlesMinistries.com. This show is made possible by listeners just like you. Become a partner or donate now to become part of our team. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it on your socials or help us review it on the podcast server you found us on. See you next time.